Hey everybody, welcome to Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu. My name is Gabe Estel, and I'm here with my partners in crime, Jonathan Getz and Dennis Levi Leach. How's it going, boys? Going good. Well, happy Memorial Day to everybody. Um, and uh, nice, this is the uh, first time we've ever recorded in the afternoon, so this is kind of nice, a little late afternoon session. Dig it. We're going to be seeing the the proverbial baseball spliff around and um, and talking about those topics. So should be a lot of fun. We're glad everybody's here. Um, before I get into our focus for today's uh, today's um, today's talk, which is a little bit different than than previous talks, um, I want to open up with a couple things. There is there's some Levi's a Cubs fan, as um, we all know, and viewers of the show know. And there's been there's been some Cubs news within the last week. Um, mainly, uh, the first one would be Tom Ricketts uh, posted a video online uh, that was extremely well edited and uh, kind of kind of melodramatic, I think, to a certain degree. Um, and he's obviously, um, you know greenlighting the the renovations to Wrigley Field damn the rooftop owners um and if you if you haven't followed the story most people in Chicago who follow sports probably have heard it but just in case you haven't uh you know there's been a lot of debate around uh around renovations at Wrigley Field particularly how it will affect the business of the rooftop owners because their their view would be uh would be compromised um so so uh, it's been it's been a lot of back and forth here in Chicago. The news media, the Chicago media, has covered it pretty extensively. Um, all of us have been to Wrigley Field. I know that. Um, I, I I live fairly close to it. Even not being a Cubs fan, I, I do think it's a, a special place still, nonetheless. So Levi, your take? Or um, it's it's a, definitely a situation with mixed emotions. Um. I'm going to probably not be very popular for this, but my gut reaction is screw them. Like do what you have to do to make the ballpark better for the players, a better experience for the fans. Um, You know, they got to take advantage of that for years and years and decades. And is uh, from what I've seen, a lot of the plans, it wasn't going to block the views as much as what the, the rooftop owners were saying. And I think what the rooftop owners are mainly pissed off about is the fact that they're breaking the contract because they have like some kind of like 20 year deal or something. And so, I mean, you know, I, if anything, they're going to have to break that contract, the Cubs and then pay off. So there's going to have to be some kind of restitution or something to, for breaking the contract. But other than that, I think they should do what they have to do to make the park a better place. I mean, granted, I don't want it to end up looking like Soldier Field, where they attached like a toilet bowl to the end of the stadium. Spaceship, yeah, yeah. yeah but <laughs> you know, do what do what they need to do. Let them spend the money. If they're, I mean, if these people are willing to spend that kind of money, we haven't had anybody since you know the Wrigleys who spent money. You know, the Tribune certainly wasn't down with spending lots of money. And um, I mean, if this family wants to do it, let them. I mean, yep. it, from everything I've seen, it, it's going to make it a better experience. And unfortunately, I don't like talking about them, but the Cardinals, they kind of did it right. It opened up this year. They're kind of fan ballpark area outside of the stadium, and people are loving it. And I think, you know, 
in my head, it's like, why is that not happening at Wrigley Field, you know? Yeah. And Wrigley's in such a – it's in a really unique situation um, that a lot of other ballparks don't find themselves in. Maybe Fenway, I guess, would be the only other one. It's it's old, and it's in the middle of a neighborhood, a really bustling neighborhood in Chicago. Um, and you don't really see that. You know, Yes, there are parks that are in the city, um, but maybe not – maybe not really just smack dab in the middle of a neighborhood like Wrigley is. So that's certainly something to protect. And um, if you move the Cubs to Rosemont, uh, I mean, it's just, it's just not going to have the same feel. Um, Well, no. And go ahead. Part of me says if they did somehow end up getting people to move the team, which I mean, I don't ever see happening, but it could. What would happen to that neighborhood? I think part of that neighborhood, the feel and the charm and why it's so bustling is because Wrigley Field is there. Wrigley Field has created that Mm ambiance. And so, I mean, if if the the owner of that is wanting to spend money to make that ambiance better, it just seems asinine not to let them. Yeah, you're not going to get that off the interstate in Rosemont, you know. Um, Exactly. Uh, right, and no, it won't draw any tourists either if they moved. I mean, I I've, I haven't looked at the the demographics of a Wrigley crowd, but um, you know it's it's one of Chicago's main tourist attractions. You know, I mean, people come from all over. People people from um, fans of away teams visit Wrigley. They make it a point. Obviously, Chicago's a big city. There's a lot to see and do here, but. Um, yeah, moving Wrigley Field uh, just uh, isn't isn't something that's really fathomable, I think, to most people who live in Chicago, and and really a lot of baseball fans too. So, so yeah, I wanted to get your take on it. Um, I will say this: um, the complaints I've heard um, some people make aren't in favor of moving the team, but they are in favor of the Ricketts family spending that money on the product itself meaning the team rather than rather than the surrounding area i mean um you know wrigley field is in a fairly it's in a high income neighborhood it's in um it's in a neighborhood with a lot of bars and restaurants and coffee houses and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff to do and and uh, the rents are high you know and the real estate market is is uh has always been high there um so uh, one could argue that you know maybe some renovations are needed, but what they did in St. Louis, the example that Levi gave, you know, Wrigley might not need something that drastic because it already has a lot of those well, things yeah. surrounding. Yeah, and, and in St. Louis, they were basically trying to almost fill like a gap because there was a lot yeah. of empty land between that ballpark and like mm-hmm. the rest of where the city downtown area was started. Right. After they tore down the yeah. original Bush Stadium, so because I went to a game right after the Bush Stadium was built, the new one, and it was like you know a whole desert wasteland on one side of the ballpark because it was just fenced-in areas of just dirt. Yeah, and that's now the area that is you know beautiful and is the baseball hangout park. And from what I saw, there was like a big giant chess set where like kids were playing chess and yeah you know it it looked like a neat you know you could sit with your kids in a blanket and you know have a picnic before the game or after the game or 
it's become kind of an urban renewal project almost really in yep. St. Louis, you know, I mean, St. Louis is one of those cities where the downtown really isn't the coolest part, you know, yeah. you have to go to other neighborhoods to really, absolutely. I mean, in my opinion, culturally experience cool things and good places to eat, good places to shop, whatever you want to do. Now, Jonathan, I want to talk to you about this because you've got a very charming ballpark, but away from a very charming up and coming city. So that's a little bit of a disconnect. You know, that's always been I love visiting Kansas City and I like I like the atmosphere. I like I like going to the Royals game. I just wish the park was in the city. You know, that's that's always been my complaint about the Royals. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, when when they built that, um, uh, was it back in the late 60s or 70s? Um, uh, it, it was in the classic uh, uh, age of building these stadiums out. Uh, away from the city and and um, of course they did it in the complex right next to the football stadium um yeah and uh yeah as a result you know i imagine that they knew that there would be a trade-off in terms of uh walk-up ticket sales because you can't walk to kaufman stadium unless you're staying at the hotel across the interstate right um uh i still kind of find it charming because uh I'm able to uh, uh, drive pretty much back roads the entire way um, through yeah, Kansas City. Right. I, you know, I've mapped it out so I don't have to take the interstate at all um, and uh, uh, kind of take these uh, two-lane roads, viaducts through some industrial, old, rundown industrial parks that are kind of, it's kind of uh, neat to drive through. Um, but at the same time, um, it's uh, a little desolate on the way. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, so I... I still really like that idea. And of course, growing up in central Illinois, you were, you're, uh, you're, you're 90 minutes from, at least from Bush stadium. Um, uh, the, the 20, 25 minute drive really isn't that big of a sure. deal. Right. Um, now would it be cooler if the, the stadium was down, you know, where, like where it used to be, um, uh, where they had one 18th and vine, the 18th vine district, historic district, uh, near downtown. Um, yeah, I think, Absolutely, all things being equal, that they would say, "Yeah, let's do it." But um, that's not the situation they're in, and and um, uh, you know, there was talk a few years ago of um, uh, you know the idea of doing that because Kaufman was was getting a, a, a little bit dilapidated, but they made the right moves and and just working with what they had in Kaufman and and, yeah. and making those upgrades and and um, uh, especially with the outfield plaza. And uh, making it more kid friendly and, and, and giving kids more things to do, which we'll talk about later. But um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, it'd yeah. be great if it was downtown, but it's just it's just not conceivable at this point. Maybe in another 30 years they could consider it. Right. Right. Yeah. It, they've, the renovations they've made have, have definitely been um, been really, really worthwhile additions to the park. I was fortunate enough to see the before and after. Um, and yeah, it's uh it's it's like a new park. Yeah, you know? yeah, it is. Uh, it it really is. is, and it's and it's like yeah. kind of what the Red Sox did with Fenway. It's like, well, let's work with what we have, yeah. and um, uh, spend just a, a fraction of the money that it would we would have spent building something from scratch, and a fraction of the materials, the environmental impact of all this, and um, uh, and and yeah, it's as good as new. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. So it, it'll it'll be. Uh... I guess it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. It looks like in Wrigley it's going to happen anyway. You know, they're they're going to make the renovations, um, and uh, you know, but it's it's essential that they keep it in that neighborhood, uh, just as 
for history and for the draw of uh, new fans as well, I think. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Now, the other thing in Cubs news, uh, just I think got announced today or yesterday, was that the Cubs have hired, and I I thought this was a joke when I first read it, Manny Ramirez as as a a hitting coach for the AAA team in uh, Des Moines, right? This is the Cubs AAA yeah, team in Des Moines, AAA right? Yes. Iowa, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I, and I guess he's going to take some at-bats, too, right? I mean, they... Yeah, I mean, they, they gave him the player-coach tag, and I think what they're trying to do is, like, you know, if there was situations where they needed a, maybe a hitter, or if they felt it was a good situation, like a pitcher might be a good matchup for him. In the press release, the Cubs specifically stated... If he got somehow on a hot streak and started hitting the ball well, he would still not play for the Chicago Cubs. That they would like maybe like trade him or or do something like that. But wow. um, yeah, I when I as you mentioned, I thought it was almost a joke too when I read it because I don't know I I have mixed emotions about that guy. I mean, I was really happy to see the Red Sox win the World Series with him, and then. I was really sad to see later the thing about the roids, how he, you know, and what, I think three tests. The first was like an, a, a, an anonymous test. He, he failed and then he got caught the two times as well. And so, um, you know, I mean, if he could somehow teach young hitters, you know, to hit the ball better, I guess I'm for him, but just don't teach them to use PEDs or anything, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't. I don't know why you would want him to eat up at bats over prospects. Well, well and, exactly. Right. Yeah. And and they mentioned that in the article, and they're like, "Oh, we're not going to let him take away at bats from our top prospects." But I mean, somebody's going to end up losing at bats. So right at some point, and and is I mean. Let's say okay, yeah, you got your, you know, the 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 uh, the Iowa Cubs are down, uh, you know, uh, four to two in the bottom of the ninth with uh, two men on. Are, I mean, are are you gonna like sit down one of your prospects to send Manny up there? Like, what? How, how does that grow your young crop of players? Well, ex- yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I, when I when I was reading all about this, I had to check because I wasn't sure how old he was, but he's forty two years old. Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, I, they're thinking and giving him the player coach tag. I would just, I, I'm not sure about that. Well, if it'll he can be, be a hitting coach, if he can be as good as a hitting coach, then, um, cool. Great. But yeah, he doesn't need any at bats. No. Yeah. I, yeah. I can't, I was very surprised. Like I said, they were giving him the player tag as well. Did, that might've he... been like just a stipulation to get the deal done. You know what I mean? That right. They, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Manny's like, well, yeah, maybe I want some at bats. Um, <laughs> right. uh, does he get, um, so he's like the most famous triple a cub since Rod Beck. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, uh, Kind of an unceremonious way to end a career, too, for that guy. He, uh, including the White Sox, modeled uh, modeled quite a few uniforms there within the last, uh, well, ever since he left Boston, really. Baggy, baggy uniforms, yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> as well. Yes, very baggy. It's like, it's like him and him and uh, Prince Fielder, like they're in Sabathia. It's like they're wearing pajamas out there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, um, 
I, I prefer the uh, David Eckstein high socks myself. <laughs> um, but anyway. This mediums. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so, yeah, inter- a lot of Cubs news lately. Uh be nicer if more of it was about – you know them winning more games, etc. But um, they did they did beat Tanaka uh, earlier in the week, so uh, yeah, there's a little bit of life in that lineup. First loss but... of the year, so yeah, and and that shows you it's like they can face good pitching, and then other days they can't seem to put the ball and the bat together. It's just really right. sporadic. Yeah, doesn't seem like his old team, the Red Sox, can either as well lately. No, uh, no, ten game losing streak. Um, yeah, they've, uh, they've got, I don't know, like it, it's like series shitty season, you know, world series <laughs> shitty season or yep. two. So yeah, yeah. The giants are kind of the same way as well, you know, yep. like they're giants will probably win the world series this year and not make the playoffs next year. Right. Um, they seem to be working in that, that direction as well. Uh, but then again, it's only Memorial day. So, um, so we'll, We'll see how it all unfolds, but I want to go ahead and shift then to the focus of this this week's show, um, and we're kind of just calling the show premium pricing, um, applying that to baseball as well as music, and really um, all of this was provoked by uh, an article that I saw on Rolling Stone earlier in the week, and I, I then shared it with Jonathan and Levi, and it's probably something that all of us have talked about at some point. And um, the article in Rolling Stone um, talks about the premium pricing packages and these VIP packages that um, are available at festivals. And really, they're not even – it's not exclusive to festivals as well. Also, just I think almost any regular concert experience now can be augmented – through extra money right um when all of us were growing up and you know before that in the 70s um you know when everybody went to a concert they sort of had the same experience uh meaning that everybody paid about the same ticket price yes you would some would sit some would get closer to the band others would would be further away but um you know there 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 wasn't the stratification that there is now at concerts where any festival you go to, there's going to be a VIP section. Um, if you go to a regular concert, you have the opportunity to buy a meet and greet package as well. Um, for many bands, many bands have this now and part of it could be explained, um, by sort of the loss of revenue with record sales. Um, and then just trying to milk every dollar out of, uh, out of, um, fans and, uh, trying to get, as much money as they possibly can. But I wanted to get you guys' take on it. Um, I've, I've experienced the VIP package at a festival, and it was certainly enticing. Um, I, I enjoyed it, uh, but I see the arguments certainly against it as well. Um, so I wanted to, to talk to you guys about that. Um, is our concerts becoming um, segregated? I guess is kind of the big question that hangs over this week's episode jonathan i'll i'll I'll, I'll kick it off to you first man okay so yeah yes they are and and yes they should be um uh i i think it's becoming increasingly obvious that people go to concerts for different reasons um and i i always i you know i go to so many concerts 
And every time I'm there, I'm like, why do I keep subjecting myself to these people that I loathe that aren't that interested in the band that I paid to see? That I know they paid to see as well, but they don't really care that they paid to see them because they're more interested in in IMing. Um, And so I... I think that uh, it's it's great because I think it was 99. It was a Neil Young tour in 99. Um, uh, he had a solo tour that I was, you know, only 19 then. And I, and that was my first foray probably into triple digit tickets, like paying triple digits for a ticket. And um, it was cool because the, um, first of all, you were guaranteed uh, this is like the golden circle, you know, the golden circle ticket. You were guaranteed the first five rows. And uh, there was also a meet and greet uh, afterward. And yeah. um, and Neil Young, I mean, come on. I mean, how many chances are you going to get? So um, uh, so I jumped on it. And uh, um, and my, my, my buddy Alana went with me. And, uh, um, and so it was awesome. I mean... Uh, that that solo tour was a great tour and uh you know for we're like fifth row center or something and and then afterward you all kind of stand around up upstairs it was at the fox upstairs at the fox and in st louis and um uh you get your your bag of goodies um and then you wait for neil to like come through and and he's you know he signs a, 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 a little promo pick that was in the bag of goodies um, which I have, I don't even know where it is. It's, it wasn't real important to me that I get his autograph. I just kind of wanted to be within like, uh, you know, uh, spitting distance of him. Um, so, uh, that was cool. Um, and so, it, yeah, it presented this opportunity to, that otherwise I would have to luck out to get fifth row center. And, yeah. um, and nowadays you have to be in the presale of the presale to get those sort of seats. Um, and, uh, uh, so you know that, that the people that, that are going to pay for that experience aren't necessarily the most diehard fans. Um, uh, but you certainly know that they do have an investment in it beyond just, um, oh, my buddy gave me this ticket, so I'm going to go and I'm going to drink a lot and I'm going to annoy the people around me. Um, uh, so... I starting in 99. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed the opportunity to be able to do that and I don't often do it. Um, but, uh, just to have the opportunity, I think is good. I, I, and if, and if you're aware of the situation, as far as when tickets go on sale, anybody can be on top of it and get those tickets. The idea is to get them before the scalpers do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I remember when you bought that, and I was like, I was only 20 at the time, so of course I thought it was crazy just because I think I was I was offended by paying that much for a ticket just on principle, whereas, you know, now, what you paid for that VIP is probably of a regular ticket now. Right, and it, it, yeah, should, that, it, it should be noted that those tickets um, were uh, uh, to benefit the Bridge School, so it wasn't all just, you know, like, like yeah. uh, going to Neil's car collection, right? So we could buy Lionel trains and. and <laughs> yeah. um, you know. nice. All right, Levi. What about you, man? You've uh, you've experienced yeah, I, the VIP package, I know. And I've experienced kind of maybe both ends of the spectrum on that. And um, I guess my first VIP experience would have been Bonnaroo 07. 
And um, I want to say tickets were like maybe $250, $275. They were under $300, I'm pretty sure. And right. um, it was it was nice. I mean, you got to camp really close to the main stage at Bonnaroo, um, basically kind of like right behind the wall of it. And there was a big giant tent where you could go basically from like 8 in the morning till about 9 or 10 at night. And it was um, like catered wedding style food, you know, like grilled chicken breasts and like boiled potatoes and green beans and rolls. And there would be like baskets with like cliff bars and all these snacks in them. And nice. you could go and help yourself. And um, there were sh- uh, showers for dealers. Yeah. Beers were all, discounted as well, yeah, if I remember correctly. They weren't free, but they were discounted. Yeah, yeah the beers and sodas were discounted, and um, it, it was nice to be able to take a shower. It was the, yeah. only, the only Bonnaroo I had shower facilities for. We were taking um, bum baths in the parking lot, or the campsites. And so, I will say it was nice, and granted, it, it cost a lot of money, but it, I was mainly doing it then for the convenience of it, because there was no no ability to pay that amount and maybe meet a star like in Jonathan's case or something like that. But I felt that it was worth it at the time. Looking back on it, I think one or two of the years I had just as close of a camping spot without paying the extra VIP. Granted, I didn't have the free food, you know, but, um, or I say free, but, um, on the other end of that spectrum, I went to a Black Crows concert, and I was a VIP at a Black Crows concert one time, and there was a meet and greet beforehand, and you got a bag with, um, you know, like a pass and uh, Alan Forbes limited edition poster, which is really cool, and the Crows did not show up, not one of them. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> They brought and, out Adam McDougal's third cousin or something. It, huh? So it was like <laughs> maybe 40 diehard fans in the basement of this theater. I want to say it was the Chicago Theater. And so wow. basically we all just kind of milled around and it was like free beer and wine, I think, and like some appetizers, crackers and cheese and stuff. And, and they never showed up and it got like closer to closer to showtime. And then finally they were like, okay, everybody go to the show. And everybody was under the assumption that they were going to show up. Oh, yeah. We were all under the assumption that, I mean, the, yeah, it was like there was this pre party. That's how it was advertised. Yeah, yeah. It was a pre party and then this after party thing. And they were supposed to be making appearance. And wow. so they did not. Wow. And um, I will say, I mean, not, not that I guess it makes up for it, but in the bag that they gave everyone that night was a guitar slide with rich robinson's autograph like silk screened onto the guitar slide and a harmonica that had chris robinson's name like etched into the harmonica so i mean those are really cool neat souvenirs that i have that not everyone else has but it was very disappointing not to be able to meet the people when they said (laughs) they were going to be there and so Yeah. yeah i i've got to see both ends of the spectrum and you know, it was disappointing spending that much money on the tickets. But I will say we had really great seats. We were like second row to the right. And I got my camera in there and I got some really neat shots of the band. And um, it, it was just disappointing that night to not meet them. You yeah. know, it was me, my buddy Dan and my buddy Pat. And 
my buddy Pat had gotten kind of tied one on, and by the end of it, he was kind of belligerently pissed off about the about the yeah. whole deal. He yeah. was like, "Ah, where the fuck were they?" You know, yeah. and so. Right. I, I, I can understand both sides. I've been the fan where the VIP experience didn't live up to what I had hoped and what I had paid for. And then I've also been there at Bonnaroo where it was a great experience. And I and I think it was worth it that year. So yeah. In the situation of the Crows, it's like you paid for access to exclusive merchandise, basically. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 Right. Wow. wow. Yeah, I, I can relate too. I've... Um, I went to I was VIP the same year that Levi was at Bonnaroo in 07 and um if you haven't been to Bonnaroo the primary advantage of that as Levi mentioned in addition to a shower is the um the proximity to to the the main area all the main stages are um because you know I've had other friends who have gone to Bonnaroo and they didn't had have an advantageous camping spot, and that really affected their their concert experience because it's basically from their camping spot to what's called Center Roo, which is you know sort of the main the main where the main action is um, was like you know an hour walk basically. Oh, yeah. um, so I've never so, been to Bonnaroo. You know, how, how often how often are you going back to your tent uh, during a given day? See, that well, was all if you're in the VIP yeah. section, you can yeah. just be like, "Oh, I left. I I, I I left my sunscreen at the camp the spot. Car, All I got to yeah. do is run right back." You right, know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you're in one of those spots where yeah. you know it's an hour walk, when you go for the day, you're not coming back. Yeah. Most. I, I yeah. I had know. about a 50 minute walk one year. Jeez. And, and literally, I think we did it about like we might leave you know say like eight or nine in the morning whenever the heat woke you up and you would go to Cineru and then maybe come back around noon or one to the campsite mm. and then like chill for a while and then leave so yeah i mean you had to basically plan your whole festival around the fact that you had an hour walk to your campsite. so it's really important it's i mean it's a real luxury to have that close spot yeah, yeah and but absolutely. like i said i i'd been there on years where just by the the spin of the wheel the wheel of fortune that i got i got just almost as close basically as the vip spots sometimes okay. so when we went the first year in oh yeah, two levi 02. we had really good spots we yeah, had, they we, might as well have been vip yeah i, I think yeah. they were basically almost in that same section but they didn't offer vip right that, right yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Wow. But yeah, like like I said, some other friends went that same year in 07 and you know, we didn't really get to hook up there because the cell phone was a lot of conflicting signals and things like that and I and I talked to them and I don't really think they liked it. They didn't really like Bonnaroo because yeah. I think each day was so exhausting that you know, yeah. they had to walk back yeah. and you know, it, it affected the number of artists that they saw, sure. etc. So so uh, I, I could I could see how it's worth it in that regard, paying for it. Um, and also, you know, I've, I I went to a festival down in Alabama. It's in Gulf Shores, Alabama. I think it just went on this year's edition. Just went on last weekend, I think. And um, a little bit different scenario down there because it's not a camping festival. It's in Gulf Shores, so a lot of people will rent. Um, you know, beach property, um, nearby. Uh, I mean, there might be a campground, but it's, it's kind of a ways away. Um, so, so we rented a condo, um, on the beach, which was great. 
Uh, but when we got there, there were VIP packages, and mainly they were for, you know, you would kind of be in an air-conditioned area by the stage. Uh, you know, your drinks would be catered, your food would be catered. Um, we would, I would look over there, and everybody would look a little bit mellower. Whereas I'm surrounded by like 19 year old bros on ecstasy. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) so I was, I was looking at the VIPs enviously there. Not that they really had any advantages really other than air conditioning and food and drink, but just to sort of be in a little bit different element. Maybe the fact that I'm over 30 now and not 19, um, would be welcome. You know, I, 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 I don't know if I want to be around, 18, 19 year old college students, well, you know, who, who have yeah. poor concert etiquette and, right. or no, concert totally etiquette. disrespectful yeah. of the people around yeah. them and yeah. et cetera. Yeah. I mean, some of my best concert experiences have been when I show up and I, and I, and I get to my seat or I get to the bar and the opening band or the main act that I wanted to see starts playing right then. And there's no waiting. <laughs> right. And so, cause I'm not really there to drink. Um, right. I'm there to see the band. And um, so for that to like build upon itself over several days at a festival where you spend more time standing around or in transit um, than uh, than you are like just experiencing the music, I could see where it would totally be worth it to put yourself in a position to easily just like show up to the stage and the band starts playing rather than having to get there an hour early. Yeah, yeah, I could see I, I would pay for that. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I failed to mention the luxuries have become more excessive recently. Yeah. You know, it's not like when Levi and I went to the VIP at, at Bonnaroo. You know, it was closer to the stage. You know, your food was catered, discounted drinks, and that was about it. Written and showers. Now, like at Coachella, they have like hot tubs near the. <laughs> like, it's the VIP. It's totally. You know, it's 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 really catering. Oh, yeah. Maybe not to people who want a different concert experience, but it's, it's catering to, to, to wealthy people. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like $50,000, yeah. you can get in a hot tub with a Kardashian. Do you get, does each hot <laughs> right, tub, is each hot right. tub labeled with an STD that you can get like <laughs> yeah. in the hot tub? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, there is this, um, and I'm paraphrasing the article here, you know, for some of it, you might as well hand up, a, you might as well hold up a sign that says, that screams, I have more money than you. You know, I mean, when you're at these things and I could see how that would that would stir up some animosity among concert goers. But, um, you know, I I, I don't necessarily want the same experience that I had when I was 18 or 19 at a concert. Um, So if it if it was if I'm going to one and it's within my budget to get VIP, if it's not too outrageous, I'll look into it, you know, Um, certainly. And, uh, you know, the festival thing, the whole overnight festival thing really probably becomes less appealing as I get older as well. Um, I kind of like just going to a regular show, really. Oh, definitely. Um, (laughs) I I burned myself out, man. I did five Bonnaroo's and so many other outdoor concerts and festivals that I'm the same way. I'd rather just go to a show, get in my car and go home. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of it. Yeah. Yeah, I know it makes it sound old, but um, it's just, it's just concert etiquette in the age of cell phones is so bad. Oh, yeah. So bad. Um, Awful. Yeah. Either, either they're on their phones or they're, um, they're, they're really belligerent. 
Um, you know, and uh, we're the last generation that's going to know what it was like to be at a concert without a cell phone. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) People people aren't going to realize when you say, yeah, I was at this show and no one was holding their phone up the entire time, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, whatever band, uh, I think Steve Gorman said this on his show, actually, whatever, whatever band initiates the no cell phone policy at their shows, that's the band I'm following around. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's, I mean, it's true. I've been at a, I was at a show at the pageant and it was a black crow show and granted Chris Robinson is known for, for piping up and he's known for his mouth, but it was. It was like literally two thirds of the people at the pageant were on their phone or talking or screaming, you know, trying to text people, whatever. And he literally, in between a song, was just like, "Everybody needs to shut the hell up." There are people that you know paid money to be at the show, you know, and you're ruining it for him. Basically, he kind of went off. And there were people around me, and in fact, a couple that had went with us, a, a, a guy and a girl. They kind of were like they took they took offense to it, like oh, who's he to tell me to be quiet? You know what I mean? He's and the name like, on the ticket. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> right. why, why did you pay money if you're just going to come and talk the whole time? You know? Yeah. A lot of people you. just pay for the experience, not for the actual artist. Yep. Right. You know, it, it's like, hey, I can buy a thirty dollar ticket to a, a a nightclub where there's going to be a bunch of hot girls for about three hours. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> to some people, like all of those venues and events, regardless of the nature of them, you know, it's the same thing. It's them being an asshole at that place and that place. <laughs> place <too. Yeah. laughs> so, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, And it's, you know, it's uh, concert tickets are, are, are the prices are only going to keep escalating, I would assume. And because concert or record sales will keep will keep decreasing and fuel prices um, will keep increasing yeah and, and ticket prices will keep increasing so that's that's a reality i think every anybody who likes live music um you have to certainly live with that that reality but um you know hopefully hopefully it can uh i don't know i don't I, i've never been one to call for more strident security at shows but um yeah, yeah something something has to give you know, well yeah and i mean it's concerts. just it's it's a natural progression thing, you know what I mean? They don't allow flash photography nowadays at shows. Yeah, and right. so I mean, eventually, I could see they're not going to allow cell phones at certain shows. Certain artists are going to require that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. especially when you have the the uh, a hole who who leaves his flash on, so he's recording <laughs> video and he's yeah. got his flash on, and he probably yeah. doesn't even realize it, and it's just and it's like illuminating the row of, in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite quotes on that was from a comedian, and I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but he literally is like, yeah, you'll be at a concert, and it's like, hey, look at this, I'm taking a photo, click, yep, I'm never going to look at that again, (laughs) and then it's like, well, you know, how many, how many, you know, there could be 10,000 photos taken at that concert that night. Right. And I bet you right. one of them gets looked at again later. Yeah. Beyond yeah. All from after. the same angle. Yeah. 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 But, but it's during a different song. So they think they're going to remember that one because it was during a different yeah. song. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, just, just uh, um, uh, look up your, your, your favorite news publication the next day and, and they'll have a, a much better photo of, of the concert you attended. So. 
uh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, it's it's uh, uh, totally un- unnerving to end up watching um, the, uh, Pearl Jam uh, the, in, at the United Center game when we went and. Um, gosh, what was that? 2009. 2009. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Avocado tour. When Backspacer came out. Um, or or Backspacer. So, just, I mean, we, we almost watched that show through somebody's viewfinder. That entire show through somebody's viewfinder. Because it was up in front of us. It was the guy in front of us. And he just, like, every, dude, just let it go (laughs) for once, um, uh, you know, uh, don't take a picture because, um, it's not, it's just not worth it. It doesn't last longer than the moment itself. Just be yeah. in the moment. <laughs> just be in the moment. Yeah, nobody yeah. can heed that advice. I'm a little bit of a hypocrite on this issue, guys, because I have to admit I always scour YouTube for concert footage of bands <laughs> that I like. So I'm thankful that somebody is doing it. I just don't want them doing it with or by me. Right? There's a they way to do, do it, it though, with that. Band, just not by me. Yeah, well, yeah. There, there's like Jonathan said. There's a way to do it. You can be classy about it. You can it. surreptitiously yeah, yeah. take video or photos um, and and not annoy the people around you. Right. Right. Yeah. No. There's a respectful way to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Well, transitioning to, to to sort of that topic in baseball. Um. Baseball as well has has certainly stratified um, its season for fans because many teams um i would say all of them now have premium games so you know for a long time different seats have always cost different amounts of money obviously you want to be closer to the action it's going to cost you more money i don't know if that was always the case but it's been that way for a long time but in recent years um teams have have uh, marked off games against kind of premier opponents um as premium games where a lot of the times it'll be the really when the really pot when like a, a really popular team comes to town um for instance the yankees or the red sox or the dodgers teams that are sort of popular kind of across the country beyond beyond their home regions uh and those are always you look at any team schedule those are always the premium games um and the reason I bring that up, I mean, it's parallel to what we were just talking about with uh, with with concerts. But I wonder if it's really if that's really been that effective, because I look at baseball attendance and um, with the exception of a handful of teams, attendance is pretty awful this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, the the Dodgers have the highest. I pulled up the uh, the stats here from this year. Um, I'll just five and it's, i don't know maybe it's a, it's not really that surprising well actually there are two teams that i thought would be in the top five that aren't so i'll just read off the top five it's the dodgers this is the highest average attendance <clears throat> so far for this season the dodgers the cardinals the yankees the giants and the angels so the cubs and the red Sox, two teams that i thought would be i thought honestly i thought they might be one and two or at least in the top five aren't um all of the teams in the top 10 except for the cubs are teams that are traditionally competitive uh the red sox aren't very good so far this year but um the rest of the teams are and then i look at the bottom half of the list 
And, um, you know, those renovations in Kansas City, Jonathan, might not have made much difference in the attendance so far. No. Because the Royals are slightly, (coughs) excuse me, slightly ahead of the White Sox at number 26. And then the Astros and the Marlins are ahead of the Royals. So, um, and Oakland, who always fields a competitive team, is near the bottom. And then Cleveland, who I remember when uh, that new park, well, not new, it's 20 years old now, probably, Jacobs Field, I remember that place was, um, just for years, they had sellout games. And now, for two years in a row, Cleveland has been at the bottom, the very bottom, in attendance. Um, So attendance is down. So I would assume that this might be a trend that baseball starts to reverse. Um, I mean, they have to create some more incentives for people just to not only come to that game against the Yankees, but just come to any game. Mm-hmm. Now, seems I, like that. I want to say that uh, I just read an article, and I don't know if we talked about this before or not, but there was an article. This guy was saying that he thinks attendance is down, especially in certain markets. And in general, in baseball, because of we're now in, I guess, uh, the era of a pitcher again, and so mm. it's all about it's all about strikeouts. It's all about having a strong bullpen. Yeah, and, and he's saying that that a is causing the game to not be as exciting. Is what he's getting at. Which, yeah, you know, he he was trying to say that it made it to where people don't get to see hitting, they don't get to see fielding, they don't get to see running. If the teams aren't exciting, people aren't going to show up to the game. And so, I mean, I can kind of see that, but I I think you just have to put a good product out there and people yeah. will show up, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, if the Royals I won think every night. I for a casual fan. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Jonathan. Go ahead. If, if, if the Royals won every night, you know, three to two, um, which is about the average score out there at the K, um, uh, then, yeah, they're, they're going to – they're going to build up the the, the uh, average attendance, um, sure. um, but if they're losing uh, ten to nine every night, um, uh, that that's going to have a huge impact on the attendance. If if you end up losing a hundred games over the over the year, and and um, so I, I understand the idea of a lack of offense, um, but you know I, I I would be interested in reading the article and seeing if there's a, it really is a correlation over the you know. 100 years of offense and average attendance and and average capacity percentage of capacity because obviously attendance will always be more because the stadiums are bigger um and uh uh you know maybe maybe a little bit but that's that's a i think that's a bit of a cop-out uh well yeah and i think in in my view of it it was kind of like he was kind of romanticizing a little bit the game you know trying to say that people People want to pay money to see hits and see people run and see people dive for balls and and you know I, and like Gabe was going to say maybe casual fans might might want that but yeah I don't think that's what's keeping people from going to the stadium in Cleveland I don't think that's what's keeping people from Wrigley Field or Comiskey Park no you know? yeah. no yeah and I'm looking at, at at the average attendance now and I might have misspoke a little bit because. It's dropped. It was at its peak. Actually, it looks like in about two two thousand seven was right around the highest attendance ever. Hmm. And then, um, whereas across the sport, 
teams were averaging over 30,000. Um, oh. And then it's it's been relatively stable for the last four years, four or five years. So I, you know, I could be wrong. I mean, I think a lot of it I'm using just by, you know, just just empirical evidence. I know you guys watch baseball highlights like I do. And you look at a weeknight game, even in a, a market where a team's competitive, like Cincinnati, for instance, and nobody's there. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just it's it's empty. Um, you know, it's like well, there's, there's got to be certain. Yeah. One thing, those 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 numbers and the charts that we're referencing here, the thing that they don't show is how many tickets that the scalpers ate that right. night. Or how many tickets right. sat unbought on stuff? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You, sometimes you see those uh, attendance numbers from Miami, and they're like, "Oh yeah, paid attendance is is like uh, uh, nine thousand when there's like clearly eight hundred people in the stands." <laughs> yeah, and so what that is? is oh yeah, they're, yeah. They're not Absolutely. taking into account any of those other tickets that got eaten. So, yeah, yeah, and and baseball is in a in a position now where I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't go as far as to say attendance is irrelevant, but I mean, all the money's made on TV and merchandise. Yeah. I mean, the Cubs get from, from um, Cubs who, who do draw well, still not as well as they used to probably, but still draw very well perennially in the top 10. Um, they get a half a million bucks a game from Comcast mm. and then a quarter million bucks from WGN. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, most of the games are on Comcast and then a few are on WGN throughout the year. So that's a lot of money, you know? Um, and uh, when you, when you add on merchandise, um, then, you know, the people through the gate really isn't as important as it once was. No, no. And, yeah. and really, um, I mean, the, the, ex- so. the experience of consuming the game over television is actually in, in many ways can be better um, than being there in person. Yeah. Um, uh, just because, uh, you know, between uh, the, the uh, high definition picture quality, the replays, um, uh, the annoying announcers, if you want to listen to them. If you have a them. DVR, you can pause it. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. The beer's a lot cheaper here in my home. <laughs> right. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, the, and I know this is a big problem with the NFL too, because the NFL is a um, uh, one of those leagues that is, I think, getting worried about how good the home experience is. Watching, especially if you want to watch multiple games, obviously that's oh, yeah. not, it's not real practical to go to a stadium and watch another game on your phone. Um, and so, how do you keep up with that experience? Um, you know, and, and it's still really arcane in MLB now that they have um, instant replay. But you remember they wouldn't show um, replays of co- of close calls so as not to incite oh, right. the fans against the umpire. That is like the yeah. like the total archaic thinking, like classic archaic thinking of MLB, um, where it's like yeah, people yeah. want those replays, and and if you aren't going to give it to them, then they're they're missing something in their experience when they go to the ballpark. That's not to say it doesn't make up for it in other ways, you know, being in a, in a beautiful ballpark, but, but, um, uh, they have to be cognizant of that. Yeah. Yeah. Baseball is definitely the stingy old man of all the professional sports. Oh yeah. I would say, uh, the one with the most arcane rules, like, like Jonathan just mentioned and arcane practices. Um, so yeah. And so it's an interesting trend, you know, this, this, this premium pricing started. Um, I, I would. I maybe it's been somewhat successful, 
Um, I assume the attendance is a little higher when the Yankees are in town as opposed to, say, the Mariners. Um, but uh, but you know, I, I wonder how much of a dent it's really made, if, it, if it's really paid off. Well, and, and it's, how I, it, why I introduced the topic. It's not just, you know, gotten into the tickets. It's now in the stadiums themselves when they're built and when they're renovated. Because not only say you want to buy a ticket to the ball game, but you also want to get your hair cut while you're there. <laughs> or you want to go to the steak and lobster house that's on the same level as your ticket. Or you want to go, you know what I mean? The San Diego, there's like sandboxes in the outfield for the kids to play in. Um, what is it? In got Arizona? A pool in Arizona. Yeah, Arizona's got the pool. Um, it more and more it started to become more of a premium experience like what else can you get besides the actual baseball game and as as a cubs fan i grew up at wrigley field that's where i saw baseball mainly and or at bush stadium the original bush and it was like you sat down and you were quiet because your dad would yell at you if you were and you watched baseball well, and, and and to go back to your your the article you referenced earlier, Levi was uh, you know the guy talking about the offense versus just the pitching you know pitching dominated games. Well, traditionally pitching dominated games go faster, you know, two to two and a half hours, maybe two forty. Yep. And in the hitting dominated games, especially with teams like the Red Sox oh, yeah. uh, that want to draw walks, th- those are three to three and a half hours. And yeah, if it's Red Sox Yankees, then it's yep. four hours. And so. Kids don't. Kids can't sit through three and a half hours yeah. in one seat. Yeah. I don't Not have any, but I'm pretty these. sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, if and I think that if if games were still, you know, um, uh, you know, all Mark Burley speed games where they're like, you know, two hours, two ten, then right. you don't need. Um, like at the K where they have, you know, they have like video games out in the outfield. You don't need a carousel. You don't need an ice cream shop. Um, uh, because two hours goes by much, much faster. Um, especially when it's, uh, uh, 95 and sunny, um, uh, where you're sitting. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think some of it, it's the, the, the tempo of the game. Yeah. I don't, I don't blame kids for not um, uh, not wanting to sit through it, and I don't think it's a generational thing necessarily. I think kids from the 1930s wouldn't want to sit there for three and a half hours and watch the Red Sox and the Yankees draw walk after walk after walk. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah that type of game is for a different kind of fan, really. Um, yeah, good points all around, guys. Um, I'm, you know what? I, I think uh, we're we're at about an hour now, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and uh, go to the card portion of uh of of the day so um you know what i'm gonna go ahead i'll do mine first and then and then you guys can go around um mine right here is um part of the future star series from tops um which tops um i don't know exactly when future star began but uh they had tops has always had these these additions to to document a a player that either had a really good season as like an all-star rookie or to to indicate identify a player who is up and coming, and the player that I've got here uh, at the cards printing, he'd only played in one big league game and only had one big league league at bat, but he'd been in the minors for a number of years and he tore it up, and he also had a pretty pretty long career that really didn't end all that long ago, and I believe now he's coaching and it is you can see it here it's nice. Sandy Alomar nice. Juniors. 
future star card. Nice. Um, I always liked um, this. This '89 tops year had some had some really good photography. It was kind of overshadowed by Upper Deck emerging that year, but I, I really like these tops cards from '89. Um, and uh, I think just him not in catcher's gear, but with the catcher's mitt and the ball right in the mitt right it's a good there. Good shot. As well yeah. as the future star. It's a really good photo. Yeah. And um, this card really, I've got, I've had multiple, multiple versions of, or multiple, um, I've got many duplicates of this card. I've got, I've got doubles. And um, this was always just a card I really liked. Uh, I like the photography. And um, he, it's, it's true. Not all of these people became future stars, but he did. And um, <clears throat> it was just kind of the start of a, of a good career. And uh, someone who uh, who was who was a good addition to baseball. So, really, just a, just a, I, I chose this one. Just aesthetically speaking, I think it's a good looking card. Yeah, yeah, so, nice. So that's mine. You can go, Jonathan. I'll, um, so mine is here. I'll take it out of the case. Um, Juan Gonzalez, rated rookie. Ooh. Oh, nice. nice. Yes, um, and uh, ninety Don Russ. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's uh, cool about this one too is uh, spot the error is uh, it's a reverse image. Yeah, he's um, oh, yeah, he's exactly. yeah. not left-handed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and like you can see the number on his jersey yeah. is uh, <laughs> right. is reversed. Um, uh, and so, and yeah, Juan Gonzalez, man, he was he was like uh, I don't know, maybe like a buck forty in that photo. Um, uh, got a little bit bigger later in his career. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, so, like, the rated rookie, which I'm obviously a fan of, um, okay. and uh, and then the air card, uh, you know, we all have our favorite air cards. Um, uh, that's definitely one of my more memorable. I think that maxed out at about $5, I remember. And, they, and, and it's heyday, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think the regular was only, like, $3, but but the air yeah. was 5 Yeah, he was a stud, man. He tore it up for a while. Those, oh, uh... Long gone? Hell, yeah. The 90 Donruss are the most printed baseball cards in existence. No kidding. Wow. They made more of those baseball cards that specific year than they made of any other baseball card ever made. Wow. Yeah, wow. So if you look up some of the prices now, you'll see that, like, I don't know if there's hardly any cards that are worth a buck. I should have sold at five. (laughs) Yeah, they made, like, hundreds and hundreds of millions of Donruss. Wow. Good fact. The uh, yeah, two two MVPs for that guy for Juan yeah. gone. Wow, yeah. two MVPs. Yeah. My card and actually I have one here, but I also have a couple behind it. I wanted to talk about everybody knows Diamond Kings, the artwork of Dick Perez and um, the legendary Donruss sets. But Upper Deck, when they came out in '89, they employed a young at the time artist by the name of V Wells. And I believe his first name was Vernon, but it was never on any of the cards, so I don't know. Um, and it was kind of like their take on, say, a Diamond King. But what they mainly used them for were checklists or insert mm-hmm. cards. And so here's the uh, 1990 King Griffey Jr. Yes. yeah, The V. Wells. Nice. And so I just, I always loved his artwork. I thought it was like kind of an updated take on the Diamond Kings, the way they were painted and everything. And in searching for this card, I found two more. Um, this was an insert at the time as well. It was Nolan Ryan's 5,000 strikeout. 
Nice. And so they made a card for that. And then from the original 89 upper decks, this was the insert card they made for that year. It was the Cecil 51. Awesome. Beautiful. And so at the time, these were like really limited in packs of upper decks. You didn't see a lot of the inserts in those Mm -hmm. cards. And so I I always cherished ever, you know, I I think one of you guys said you had an Eric Davis one. I do, I have the Eric Davis one. It wasn't always like superstars by any means. And um, I always just thought they were like really neat looking cards. Yeah, yeah, they're beautiful. yeah definitely a, a good take on the checklist. Uh, which because I remember in Tops and Don Russ, the checklists were kind of throwaway cards. You yeah, because it was like, dual sided. It was yeah, yeah. they had the checklist on the front and the back. And, yeah, yeah, there wasn't really a, a huge incentive to hold on to those. Whereas, like Levi mentioned, those those were pretty coveted. Um, you know, they're beautiful cards. So one thing, guys, to jump back to Juan gone for a second. Why isn't that dude in the Hall of Fame? Like, he's been out of the league since 05. I know there's some, like, the steroid Steroids, thing kind of. Yeah. But I don't, but I, I, I wasn't sure if they ever really pinned that on him. I don't think they ever pinned it on him, but I think he was one of those players that, like, everybody in the league maybe thought that he had done it or maybe knew he had done yeah. it or. Right. Was on a team with one of his other t- old teammates, and he was, was on like, the oh, Rangers. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. If if you were say you were a teammate of his, and you were on a later team, and somebody asked you, "Hey, did Juan shoot up or whatever?" They might have been like, "Yeah, you know." But like a lot of that info is kept inside the world of baseball, and we as fans will never yeah. know, you know, what's said in locker rooms most of the time. If you're just going on numbers, he deserves to be in. Oh yeah. He's a be- he was a beast. Oh, yeah. 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 Injured a lot near the latter part of his career. Um, I read that on Baseball Reference that after – I, I mentioned he won those two MVPs, 96 and 98. Um, he only he, – he didn't play a full season basically after 98, even though he stayed in the league until 05. Um, but just – he was kind of like the guy that was – even though Bonds and McGuire and Sosa were hitting all those homers, he was right there with them, just doing it. I think a little more quietly, mm-hmm. um, you know, than than those guys. But he was always right there as well. My, one of my links that I want to—I don't know the answer to this—was he on the team the same time as Canseco? When Canseco, on the Rangers? when yeah, it, when it been like his rookie year in '89, yeah. Or no, wait, no. When did Canseco? Canseco, yeah, they would have bought at the same time. Um, Canseco was. It was like right around ninety. It was after they, yeah. like ninety two, ninety three, yeah. right around there. So they yeah. were on the Rangers at the same time then. Yeah, okay. with Palmero I, as well, another guy that got popped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, and I mean, it, a lot of people say, yeah, you know, Canseco introduced a lot of guys to it. Maybe he did. Yeah. 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 Hell of a player, though. Um, so, well, guys, thanks for another great show, man. I, uh, I enjoyed this one a little bit different than the others. Uh, so uh, we, will, uh, we, will, we will touch base again soon, and uh, thank you so Hope, much. Hopefully we have a little baby Estel to congratulate. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I hope, uh, I hope the, next, um, the next Carlton Fisk or at least the next, um, I don't know, you know, Steve Lyons is uh, is <laughs> on is his it? way. So Can't yeah, let's uh, let's yeah. let's hope for uh, let's hope for a healthy healthy hitter. So, Absolutely, uh, we'll uh, we'll keep you posted. All right, good deal. See ya. Take care, boys. Later on. Later.